Welcome back to The Wine Show. You've got Simon Nash, and we're going to have a chat now with Paul Bowker from Brick Lane Brewery. How are you, Paul? Oh, I'm good, Simon. How are you, mate? Going well, mate. Thank you. Um, so, Brick Lane, this is, this is a brewery that some of our listeners will know and, and some won't, but, gee, it's going from strength to strength. So, tell us a little bit about, um, I suppose, the, the beginning and, and now, you know, where you are at and, and the expansion plans you've got. Yeah, so I guess we, we produced our first beer about three years ago, well, three years in August. So um, in the context of the Australian beer market, we're, we're relatively new. Um, however, we sit in a part of the beer market that I guess loosely is defined as craft and independent and people use different terms. And I guess that's a small subset of the overall beer market in Australia. Um, when we came into it, we took a slightly different approach and um, built a brewery of scale and flexibility uh, and efficiency. So our our model is to make uh, fantastic quality beers for ourselves, um, but also brew beer for others as well. So we've got this fairly unique facility where we make, uh, I think, you know, I was just speaking to someone the other day, since we commissioned three years ago, we've made about 200 different beers. Um, so it's a, it's a highly flexible plant, and uh, it's one that is adopted by the whole industry and not just our brand. Yeah, it's um, it's it, it it is amazing how many craft beers are out there. What what do you reckon is going to happen in the industry? Because you know some get um, obviously bought by larger breweries because typically they're not great at having a craft brewery. You know, starting a craft <laughs> brand because they're just not that small guy passionate or you know small group of people that are passionate and whatever um what happens you know there are so many on the market now and they can't all fit on the retail shelves well this you know this is an interesting question and it gets bandied around a lot within the industry uh so the latest data is this somewhere between 500 and 700 independent breweries depending on how you classify them and yeah, a lot of people say that there's too many. Um, my view is there's not enough. Um, there's so many passionate people in the beer sector, and I see a role for everyone. And that might be from having a, a small brewery in a local tap room, serving your, your, you know, your local community within you know a few kilometre radius, uh, or it could be uh, breweries that are large within a particular state, or breweries that are large nationally. And I think there's a role to play for all breweries. One of the challenges that you, you referred to before was what happens uh, when breweries get to a certain point and you know they can no longer continue to run the business for some reason. And funnily enough, it, it usually happens because they're successful. <laughs> so if you have a look at all the all the buyouts in the market, whether it's it's Volta, Pirate Life, Feral, Four Pines, Green Beacon, uh, Mountain Goat, there's been a raft of them. And gen- generally, what happens is the breweries become so successful that they max out. Uh, the physical capacity of their brewery and, and usually their access to capital as well. And at that point, one of the large brewers tends to step in and um, and tap on that brewery and help it to continue to grow. I guess in a different under a different umbrella. Yeah, right. It's um, and you've um, uh, yeah. So obviously that that capacity aspect and and the the funds to to do that is. Um, is the reason, I guess, that they come in. Do, do, do you reckon that they can maintain that that real craft aspect uh, when they fold into, a, you know, a bigger framework of a, of a big corporate? I think absolutely, and it really depends on, 
like everything, it comes down to the people. Um, and if they fold into a, another company that gives um, the people within the acquired brewery the space to breathe and do what they do best, which is running a craft beer, which is the reason they brought out in the first place, then um, I think brands can thrive. And if you have a look at some of the recent ones, you know, Bolters going from strength to strength under the CUB or Asahi umbrella, yeah. um, you know, and even, you know, if you go back earlier, you know, one of the first big buyouts was Little Creatures. And yeah. uh, I was, I was actually at the Gabs Festival in Brisbane yesterday and Little Creatures are pushing out some absolutely fantastic beers and they've been under a big Ryan Mason umbrella for quite some time. So I think you can thrive as an independent and you can certainly thrive as part of working in as part of the majors as well. So is the key probably keeping some of the talent that was there before it got bought out and keeping them in as as their own sort of little group within the bigger business? Yeah, there's probably a couple of things. One is absolutely the people, keeping the talent and keeping some consistency in in the brand and what it stands for. Uh, And, you know, that's all tied up in the people usually that created it and have been brought along for the ride. So that's one really key thing. Um, The other key thing is, um, I guess... You know, there's often a tendency once you become part of a bigger organisation and you've got a lot better access to, to taps, a lot better access to retail shelves and that can sometimes bring about pressures to make certain styles of beers yeah. that perhaps sell in larger volumes and that, that, that's a risk that I think probably a few of those businesses have faced um, and it's how you, how you navigate that and if you've got the right champion within, well, in Australia realistically, within Sahi or Kieran, there's only two... Um, majors that really have 90% of the market, as long as you've got a champion within those businesses and they've got an appetite to continue to promote the craft nature that made it successful in the first place, then, yeah, it can absolutely work. Mm. So um, uh, and we sort of diverted off into that direction, which, which we uh, we don't really need to because we're not talking about selling to CB any time. No, that's right. But, um, <laughs> so you're, you're doing your own expansion. So three years ago, how many bottles of beer or how many litres were you doing and this year what are you projecting to do? Yeah, so when we, when we launched in 2018, in August, uh, we had capacity within the brewery to do about 2 million litres a year, which I guess in rough terms, 6, uh, six million cans of beer, um, not, not technically because we do kegs and a whole raft of other things, but uh, 2 million litres and currently we're doing about 8 million litres and the next wave of expansion that... It's actually, I, I just saw some photos uh, a couple of days ago. It just, it's just gone onto the ship from Germany. Um, so that will get us to uh, uh, work production capacity of about 20 million litres, which wow. pushes us into the top um, the top ha- handful or the top three, really, of independent beer in Australia. Gee. Who else is in there with you? Uh, so it's, a, it's one of the... I mean, it goes back to the earlier question of sort of the, the background to Brooklyn and why we set it up the way we did, it was always set up to continue to expand and not need to be bought out because we've mm. got access to capital and access to equipment. So we've got about 40 uh, private investors um, that have supported the company all the way through. Yeah. Um, and they're from, um, they're from everywhere, actually. There's, there's some from yes, Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So when we set it up, we really wanted to get a like a diverse group of people so we've got people from you know sports entertainment uh from business from food hospitality it's a it's a pretty big mix and you know there's a bunch of them that obviously um everyone knows that are in there so um, people like you know, McCoy, um 
Uh, and then we've got, you know, uh, sports people, so Dan Carter, Tim Warren, Billy Slater, and then a whole bunch of people from uh, the business world as well, so from banking, finance, all different parts of business. And the, what it's meant, it's not, just, it's not only just spreads the load of the capital required to build this thing, but they provide a tremendous sort of mental role to, to myself and a whole bunch of people in the business as well. So it's, it's worked out really well. Mm. I think it's a it's a great story, and it's a it's one that um, is going to be really interesting to follow. Um, and I, I like the idea that you that you're wanting to be, you know, independent um, and you know just grow still, you know, and 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 have that big thinking, um, but you know, without the the uh, the end game necessarily being you know being bought out. Um, so. 20 million litres is a lot. Um, so you are in Woolies, you're in Coles, all of the associated, you know, those groups. So yep. that's some serious um, capacity to fill. Um, it, it is. And it's not, that's not all our proclaimed brand volume either. Um, so, I mean, we, we sort of look at our brand as it's incredibly important, everyone's passionate about it. Uh, but we also have this um, network community, I guess, of others that brew there. So our beers are available, as you said, through bands, EWS, Lippoland, First Choice, Vintage Sellers, as well as all the major independent banners. Mm. Um, but we also make beer for others across a whole raft of styles. So we make beer for the major supermarkets, we make beer for um, some of the big independents. One of the really exciting things we're doing at the moment is a lot of uh, zero and no alcohol beer. Yep. So we have so heaps of more of a lot of our, our partners that brew in the brewery. Um, and there's some tremendously exciting things happening there. We also do seltzers and cider. Uh, so it's not it's not all beer, mm. um, but it's all generally fermented style products that either sit within beer or adjacent to beer. Yeah. Um, and look, you know, obviously this is... This predominantly we talk about wine on this show, um, and it's, it's it's expensive to go and buy land and and put vines in and all of that. Um, equally, it is expensive to set up a brewery, but but you can you don't have to wait for a vintage to happen, um, you know, to, to bottle that grape juice. You can um, you can have a vintage every I don't know every week or what? How how quickly can you turn things around? Yeah, really quickly. So I mean, as a brewery, we operate twenty four hours a day and. We can do that because it all happens indoors in a big brewery. Uh, so we're not really subject to the weather and the elements and what's happening. However, the, the raw inputs, it's not, it's not dissimilar to wine. It's you know, these are beautiful natural agricultural products. So we use uh, predominantly Australian-grown barley, mm-hmm. um, malted barley. Um, so that all comes from, yeah, nearly all comes from Victoria, actually. Um, as well as some specialties from other, other other states and other countries and, and hops and most, a lot of those come from Victoria as well. So it's a very natural produce driven product, which sometimes people can forget because it comes out of a brewery and not a lovely vineyard, but, um, there's very few ingredients in beer and they're all, all very natural mm. and we're subject to, to seasons. So, uh, hops, um, you know, the hop harvest is different every year. Um, the quality of the hops is different every year. The, the compounds within the hops are different all the time. Uh, every delivery of, um, of malt that we receive is slightly different in specification. So it's still a very, very natural and variable product. Mm. Um, but the, I guess the beauty of it is, as opposed to wine, um, which is you know, wine, obviously, you harvest and you get it to that art winery as soon as you possibly can before oxidisation and other things yeah. fit in. 
whereas the, the natural ingredients are going to be can be stored. Um, hops can be stored, you know, for a year. Um, malt, um, again, you know, there's a very good supply of malt because it's significant stock growing within the malting. So we're not as subject to, you know, a bad frost, you know, around vintage. That just doesn't really impact on beer. But long, longer term, um, the, the ingredients we use, they're, they're quite water intensive. Um, you know, it's growing, it's farming. Um, and, you know, they're subject to climate and, you know, well, the climate is changing. Um, and, all these things are going to impact on beer longer term, which is why we focus really heavily on sustainability and efficiency of an incredibly efficient brewery. And the more we can reduce our water consumption and extract more goodness out of the raw materials, the better for the product. Yeah, unreal. Um, Paul, we've, we are literally about to run out of time. So a very succinct answer to this question. Can you make good-tasting gluten-free beer? Absolutely. There's, there's quite a few people doing it. Uh, we do super low gluten beers as well. We can't call them gluten free because of our production process, but um, there's some great, great ones out there. Uh, two Bays in Victoria, they're pumping out all gluten free beer. Um, it's it's a good it's a good market and it's a good thing to do so that you can bring more and more people into the beer occasion who may not have been able to previously. Yeah, yeah. That- Good answer. Um, hey, uh, mate, great to chat, Paul, and let's do it again because I'm really excited to follow the, the progress of this. And, um, yeah, go and have a beer, mate. <laughs> Fraction early, but uh, not far off, Simon. <laughs> good one. And non-alcohol beer. Too, yeah, mate. that's it. Good, yeah, good plan. That's the reason for them. <laughs> there are, it's fantastic. It's a whole separate conversation, but, geez, that's a fascinating market. Yeah, good one. All right, mate, thank you, Paul. Catch you. Cheers, Simon. See you. Bye. Bye-bye.